like I wore my hair out in like one puff and the my coworker at the time, she was just like, Wait, that's all your hair? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this whole time I thought that was like a, a hair piece. Okay, and like what is it still would be mine if it was a hair piece. Welcome, welcome. We are back with the Out of the Berg podcast. Got the crew here. Got Chris. Got Gerard. And three special guests. Four. 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 <laughs> uh, sorry, my math is off. Four special guests. <laughs> Take some calls. Uh, Ashley. Another Ashley. Michaela. And Frank. What's good? Hey, y'all. Appreciate <laughs> y'all yeah, yeah. coming this week. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, how was y'all Thanksgiving? It was yep. pretty good. It was all right. A little different yeah. this year, but yeah, it could have been better. But you know, we're grateful. We don't celebrate the colonizer type stuff, but it's really good to see the family and be thankful for them. No. Uh, terrible history, I'll say that. Terrible history. <laughs> But uh, yeah, my my was mine was cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen my family in like four months, so it was cool. Um, see them, so you Even eat good. On my damn nerves. Hey, hey, great. Hey y'all. Of course, you got you got you good when you go back home, especially for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it was cool. But um, yeah, uh, we start on the mental health. Mental health. Uh, it, this is one of the things that kind of uh, hits our community the most. So uh, I wanted to know your thoughts on mental health, just in general. If anyone wants to go. Well, I can start. It's not really talked about in the Black community at all. I know, like me and Chris, in our household, we don't really talk about it. Never really have. Didn't really it's even just, know it was like an actual thing. No, 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 you know, so it's not something that we really considered, like he said, until we got to college because we'd hear people talking about it and stuff like that. So, yeah, especially, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Man, you can talk. You can talk. Go ahead. No judgments on here. <laughs> but to echo Ashley's thoughts about having not a conversation in the household about being overwhelmed or overworked or mm-hmm. feeling the type of way it was just kind of overlooked mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like oh you just need to work harder mm-hmm. and that was like the yeah. solution to it mm-hmm. it wasn't really like it's a white person saying <laughs> like you're crazy yeah. so mm-hmm. me and my we have this group chat and of course we just joke and geek in it but um my brother has sent a meme it was like the son was like, Mom, I'm depressed. And a black mom was like, You better depress them dishes. Yeah. And that's think, like oh go ahead, my fault. No, I I was thinking just like I know it's uh stigmatized in um either like just minority communities, just because I know um especially lower class minority communities. 
you know, parents out there just working to survive, you know, they don't got time. Like, yeah. in their eyes, they don't have time for, like, you to be depressed or you to have anxiety. You just got to fight through it to survive, you know? Because um, I, I, I kind of, I've kind of seen that, um, especially in my household. Like, my mom's a single mom. And so my sister and I, we didn't find this out until we actually sat down and talked to each other. But we both have anxiety. Uh, like, I, I, I got anxiety through the roof, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, she and I just sat and talked about it because a lot of our kind of characteristics were very similar. And then I know um, my sister was just stressing out, especially her first year in school. And my mom kind of semi blew it off. And it's like, oh, you just need to work harder. Um, but it wasn't until we had, like, friends of the family um, talking to my sister and saying, like, recognize, like, yeah, that's straight up anxiety. And then my mom was like, okay, that's, uh, I'll get you someone to help mm-hmm. out. But I don't know. We do it in our, in, our, in our own ways. Like, I eat. That's why I'm, like, 700 pounds. <laughs> um, and my, but my sister's hair was falling out. At the time um, wow. And even like when she went natural, she would just end up like when she was stressed, she just started pulling her hair out. Um, we're getting better. We're getting better. Yeah. yeah. That's what's up. Like the first that's step, in, I was like actually like acknowledging it too. So that's big. Yeah. 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 It also doesn't help. Like most of the time when, it, when like uh, people with like mental disabilities are like, uh, portrayed or, or mental anxieties or whatever portrayed in media if they're like uh white they're going to a, like a psychiatrist mm-hmm. if they're black they're going to a mental institution or something because they're, yeah. they're, they're a crazy person that yeah. is you know crazy like you know that many of us deal with this because you can see and that can be that behaviors that are normally seen as like symptoms for something that is something that they characterize black people as like that's how black people are. Like mm-hmm. she's angry because she's black. No, mm-hmm. she's angry or stressed or whatever because she's doing all this by herself. Yeah. But exactly. they see we see so many of us going through that on a daily. That's how they think that we are. But we're just stressed and all of us are stressed. And I feel like we're not taught how to deal with it. We're not even taught how to recognize the symptoms of depression or like simple mm-hmm. stress. Like Going to work every day is not okay to be stressed over every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, um, oh, I'm only stressed because I'm going to work and I got these four kids. Sometimes we have to be taught how to deal with those things. Like, oh, you need to take a breather, take some time out for yourself and meditate. We need to, like, what? who was it? Was it Chris who said that, sorry, white people will go to, like, a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and we would just go to the um you say mental institution yeah mental Mm -hmm. institution and i feel like that's because we wait so long to do something about it Mm -hmm. it's like we get to the point where there's no turning back there's no option but mental institution those where we have to go through those heights to help us deal with our issues when we should focus on the issue or be taught how to focus on the issue that's bothering us at the time instead of waiting a year or two later to be like, oh, snap, what my mom said 
back in 2017 really bothered me. Maybe I should have dealt with it oh, in 2017. But also, within this field of like mental health, it's not dominated by people of color. That's true. So, when you got a lot of people who don't look like you diagnosing you, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, have like the power in their hands to say they can dismiss you or they can say like, oh, they're a nutcase. Yeah. Instead of really trying to delve deep like how they would with people who look more like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like, like an elbow, a, that's a good point. Healthy. Yeah. yeah. Like with uh, birth. Yes. They women are four times as yes. black women are four times more likely to die during childbirth. Yes, exactly. Than our white counterparts. Of like, oh, they can handle more pain. Like they really think that in the medical field, there's writing scientific research and all that to back up that claim that yeah. we can handle more like pain. And my mom has like stories in her line of work. Um, some of her clients would just open up to her and one thing she noticed was when some of the their kids will go to doctors they're quick to just put them on medication instead of seeing what else they could do like what other steps they could take before medication so mm. as soon as they put on medication it's like now you on assistant living it's like you get these checks because your child is on this and Sometimes you didn't even have to take those steps. Sometimes you could probably just be like, oh, switch up nutrition, switch mm-hmm. up their environment and mm-hmm. do something different mm-hmm. instead of, oh, just take this pill. And that's where like a cycle continues to, what am I looking for? Continues to grow yeah. instead of like Perpetuates stop. the problem. Yeah. So, and we just need to stop the cycle, change it and figure out a new way to help our children and us as an adult help yourself and it could better the future for us especially as a community well said <laughs> well, well, well said but uh how has like covid affected like y'all's personal mental health i know for me <laughs> coming like this my jumping down the roof man like especially especially early on, just because uh, just a lot of, especially with work, there's a lot of shifting to Zoom and I'm not there with my coworkers to try and, you know, hammer out some design details or whatnot. And so, like, especially with my, like, I have a new computer, but for, like, the first maybe five months of this COVID, like, I had this trash computer I was trying to design on but uh, stuff would take so long to render. I wouldn't be done working till like maybe nine o'clock someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like, I'm here with my family like 24 seven. And we, <laughs> like, we want to we bite each other's heads off, man. So it's like, oh my gosh, you still yeah. here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's something else, but I try to, I try to get out, go for a walk. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I just like I just leave my house. I park at the park. I just sit and read. Like that's my that's my little escape. But change your environment. Yeah. Just yeah. to get out yeah. the house safely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird transition. Um, in the beginning of the pandemic and quarantine, I was still doing like my master's classes, and. Uh, my mom wasn't really used to working from home and it was stressing her out. And my brother thought it was, 
you know, a dream come true because he hated his commute. So he loved being in the house. And he was like, dude, I can do it perfectly from the house. And I wasn't used to sharing the house with them because usually I worked from home before COVID. Like I was a remote worker before it was cool, you know, before the trend. So it was, a, that was the easy part, but I guess not being where I wanted to be because of COVID. Because in my head, I was like, once when I'm done with my master's, I can get the job that I want. And I can move out and I can do this. But a lot of things got shifted and redirected. So it's kind of like a lot of time talking to God. Like, when is my turn? You can still show up and show out during the pandemic. And I want you to do that for me. So I think it's a lot of me trying to reassess my goals and understand, like, it's okay to slow down. It's okay not to be where you thought you could have been. And um, you can just take this time to keep learning. And that's yeah. what I've been doing a lot of webinars with uh, the environmental justice movement, Black Lives Matter. You know, that that thing really took a toll on my mental health. I'm still advocating. I'm still part of a lot of groups that uh, do petitions and getting justice for Breonna Taylor. I'm still in the loop with a lot of these families, listening to a lot of podcasts. And when you keep, you know, tuning into the news and tuning into the podcast about this kind of stuff. It, it's, it really is traumatizing. I can understand why a lot of people lose it. Yeah. So it's about taking a break and taking time for yourself to understand as much as you want justice and you want to see good things turn out. And the election wasn't helping. I was sweating y'all. My anxiety was crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I started grinding my teeth that night. I had to start putting in my retainers for real. So I wouldn't, I got my pearlies, but I'm it's telling you, it, it's been a really chaotic year. You know, like when you think it about is. like all oh, back to back to back yeah, to back. I'm back like, what's next? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, enough. Yeah. And I I feel like the quarantine, that was like not to bring religion into it, but like I felt like that was God's way of telling everyone chill out. Mm-hmm. Like sit down yeah. for one minute and I believe I took it as yes, a lot of people still like see it as a negative thing because a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of people died, of course, and hey. that's horrible. But I would try, you know, how there's always a little good in the bad. Mm-hmm. So I try to take that and just deal with it, like taking that time, that downtime, working on myself, working on my mental health, and just working on like loving me and just. Like Michaela said, refocusing on my goals, what I do want after the whole thing is over, hopefully soon. It's just it, that downtime could actually, it could be harmful, but it can also be like something yeah. that change everything, you know? So I, I took advantage of the downtime and not just, mm-hmm. you know, looked at it as, oh, I'm trapped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, um, yeah, my family get on my nerves. I love, but I love them like crazy. Y'all all know I would die for the yeah. people out there. But um, it's perspective. And yeah. being like having a heart of gratitude. I know a lot of people can't afford, you know, their rent. Yeah. We had that one $1,200 stimulus check that came in, but people have kids to feed. Yeah. They get an eviction notice. They're <laughs> trying to keep food on the table, roof over their heads. And we're blessed to say that yeah. it's not like that for us. Yeah. We don't have to struggle day to day and scrap. And that's something that that's a reality for so many people. Yeah. I think yeah. this year was like the year of exposure for everybody. Personally, <laughs> so everything, everything that was in the dark, COVID said not today. Mm-hmm. We're getting this 
we need therapy. We need to get this Peek-a-boo. right up here. We need to get this home. I think a lot of people have a hard time because a lot of things that they push to the ground, they have to actually deal with now. There's no choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have no <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Perfectly. Literally no choice because nothing else to do. Right. <clears throat> like that elephant over there? Yeah, you need to talk about it right now. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, what off um, Akela said, like, your brother, I, I was happy we are going to work from home. Yeah. Like, I was ecstatic I didn't have to go to the office. But then, like, months in, like, you keep seeing people die and, like, mm-hmm. you know, everything that's happening and in COVID and, like, the whole madness. I didn't, I didn't have, like, water in my house when that, when that thing oh. started. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, for me... I think the uh, Chadwick Boseman's death really mm-hmm. like yeah that shattered me more than like anything. So I think that was like the my lowest moment. Yeah, because I really didn't understand it and I didn't know how to like process how he, you know, would leave the earth knowing what he kind of did for our community. So I would say that and just the constant black people getting shot. It's like every day <laughs> someone's getting shot and killed by the police so i think all of that has risen my anxiety because like i'm, I'm by my y'all have family to talk to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. myself so i'm thinking all the time i'm thinking all the time and then like sometimes i'll be like yo they come to my house i need to go get a strap or something and here we are <laughs> out here isolated yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, yeah, for me it's just been up and down for the most part, but music helps. So mm-hmm. that's how you do a lot of things. You just, you know, create your playlist and you just try to surround that that brings you comfort. Yep. My therapy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like I said, it's like all about finding that thing that works mm-hmm. for you. And I think one of the points we wanted to talk about was how black men dealt with health and mental illnesses mm-hmm. and I feel like who was I talking to um great transition by the way <laughs> who was I talking to mm-hmm. oh my gosh I was talking to some dude oh by the way I got a new job another blessing that came out of this congratulations congrats, congrats. Thank you. um it was my supervisor and he likes to build things. So he said when he was younger, he was a wild child. And instead of, you know, with his environment, he could have easily been on drugs in jail, but instead he focused on like a healthy route of building things. And now he's like building his house and everything is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But he's a black man also. So I was like, I think as black men, they, they figure out <laughs> I don't know how y'all really feel about talking yeah. to ther- like a therapist. Mm-hmm. So instead of talking to a therapist, yeah, you would just focus on music, focus on building things. My brother, he focuses on ATG. So and, and then we trust. So um, with me, I don't mind venting to somebody. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> if you all is, I'm all mine. Like, let's go. Um, Please edit that. Yeah. 
but that's I, how we talk through things. We're really as women, yeah, as us. Yeah. I don't I don't want to speak for you, Ashley, Kelly, but we, we talk a lot. I'm on the phone with her dorm, like <laughs> when I worked at Kid Zone. I pick up FaceTime and just call Michaela. 3 p.m. 3 a.m. Hey girl, what you doing? I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> she's doing her hair. And then five kids in the background talking about Miss Free. And I'm like, I need them. I know them all by name at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Got See, my I bonnet on everything. I don't know. Like, I don't Chris can attest, like. We didn't grow up like talking our feelings out like that. You know what I mean? Like I don't like people in my business. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I don't I don't know. Like when I'm feeling like I didn't add how I felt like at the beginning of COVID, like I felt anxiety a little bit, but at the same time I was like happy to be home and in my own bubble. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't have to worry about going back to school. Initially, I didn't think I was going back to school, so I was happy. You know, I was like, I don't got to deal with people. You know, I just get to keep to myself and in my bubble with my family because everybody at school knows. Like, I'm not a big fan of Slippery Rock, but I'm there because I know I got to do what I got to do. You know what I mean? It's true. So, like, I don't know. Like, I don't I like I think me and Chris both we internalize that stuff a lot. Like, we don't we don't talk that stuff out. And our parents will say like, nothing wrong with this, but like pray, you know, just pray it out. So that's yeah. like what we do in a center. Like we'll talk, like I'll call like um, one of our older cousins, she's this older 89 lady and I'll tell her what's going on or whatever. If I'm struggling <laughs> with school, especially, especially it being my first year of PT school, I was stressed like through the roof. So yeah. I would call her and I'd be like, I got a test and such and such. Please say your prayer for me. And that was about it. You know what oh. I mean? So I don't know. I can totally see your best friend being a nine-year-old woman. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I keep my circle real tight. I don't have too many friends like that. So that, that could be another reason for it too. But I think our family's just real close and tight-knit. But yeah. we don't even like speak our, like, like our anxieties out. Like we're all like with, COVID, we're like, all right, we're not going nowhere. Ain't nobody coming in the house. Yeah. So when I went back to school, I was like, hold up, I don't want to go nowhere. Like my roommates would go out to eat. I'm like, I'm a pass. I'm gonna stay in my room. I'm gonna stay in here because I'm not trying yeah. to take my mask off nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like you and Gerard. Like mental has been like a very new topic in my household, and I think it's because like. Uh, both my parents are Air Force. My dad is still active, and he is in charge of a lot of young airmen. Mm-hmm. And so they're young dads, and this is like the transition from what they normally work as, and then they're going remote was a really terrible transition, and a lot of people were impacted. He was stationed in San Antonio, and Texas was one of the places where they had the highest amount of COVID cases. So my dad was working seven days a week, Never got a break, but he had to because a lot of his airmen were killing themselves, suicide watch. It was hard for them to process things and talk things out. And so they understand that discussion has to shift if they want to see a change. We have to start normalizing these conversations. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, I don't, I don't think something's right with me. My heart does a weird thing and I don't sleep. And it's like, oh, baby, 
you got problems, but we got you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for talking to me. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not going to put you on medication right at first. That might help. But I mean, let's try other things that's like not medicated drug use. And let's try going outside for longer periods of time. Let's get a dog in there. Are you a cat person? Like, you know, a lot of people like it studies show like if you have a pet, those people are actually a lot better off than people who don't have pets. When you pet something, it's like endorphins are released. And so when people are like, okay, well, I don't like cats or dogs, they get a stuffed animal and they will pet the pillow. And you have to do whatever it takes in times like this to really find your center. And I like Gerard's idea of going to the park and just yeah, like sitting in the car and reading. Might look a little weird at first, but I mean, like, okay. I'm all about looking weird in public. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. My family's jealous of my cat because as soon as I come home, of course they I say hi to my family. I'm like, hey y'all. But when I see my cat, everything changes. I'm like, me! I'm like, they're like, oh, you so happy to see me. I'm like, yes, because he doesn't talk to me. He has to accept my love. He just wants her because she has a heating blanket and you already know what's going down. It's doesn't love me. Did you guys like growing up have uh your parents tell you like it's not okay to express you being sad or you know upset having feelings like that? It's not really told, it's kind of like stamped on their forehead. Nah, like a five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean I know, I know for my family, my mom's like and my dad, I mean they they've been divorced for the last like what 15 years? Mm. Um, but he just, you know, talking like, you know, you can talk to me about anything, you know, don't hide anything. You get, you know, you can talk to me about stuff. Um, but I think it got to a point where I guess I would try to communicate. There's some things like, at least my mom just couldn't really fathom. And so she would kind of just dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And that was like extremely frustrating because I just felt like I'm not being listened to at all. And so um, I'd say, like, right around, like, college, you know, just hang with y'all. Some of my, my favorite moments were just we all chilling in the quad, just talking, especially, like, us guys. We'd sit there late, like, at night, like, 12, 1 a.m., just talking about stuff. And, I'm like, y'all know, I, I told you all my, like, stuff I was going through, you yeah. know. Um, and so it was around, like, that time I was, like, you know, therapy's not bad. And I think, uh, like... Like I said, my social anxiety, I, I, I cared way too much about what people thought of me. And so I, I think early on, I was like, oh, I go to therapy. People think I'm like off or odd or something. And I'm like, I don't give a damn. Oh, excuse my friend. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, like, I got to do this for me. You know, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Like, it's my life. I got to gotta figure it out for myself. So um, I think I, I, I know for me, a lot of my. I guess stuff I've stumbled upon by myself, like I'm in my head 25, eight. So I look back on like all the things that happened to me, all the things I've done. I kind of track, okay, this is caused because of this and this happened because I acted like this. And, and I, I sort of kind of self-diagnosed myself. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of these days I'm going to talk to like a professional and, and just mm-hmm. kind of tell them what I, my, my, um, what do you call it? Uh, Your way of thinking? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, there you go. Um, yeah, and to see how they 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 diagnose it. So, yeah, when things when things open back up, I'm, I'm gonna try that. But, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, can't you do? Because when I do therapy, it's through like Zoom. Or oh, yeah, yeah. That's possible because I think that's a lot of people have like taken up therapy during this time because you like a lot of people are losing it and yeah. they need someone to talk to, even if it's like this, like virtual. So I would say I definitely recommend it, and I definitely say look into like the virtual just for the time being, if you want to. Of course, I'm not forcing you, but um, until everything opens back up, why not? I read a post recently, and it said that people of color or brown people, brown and black people, are literally good at everything except for emotion. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I mean, that's not it's a it's not <laughs> attribute. You can see it, like how it plays out in your relationships, just even friendships or like dynamics with your parents. And I was like, you know, we didn't have words for it. But now that I know terms now, I'm like, that was definitely depression. That was definitely, yeah. that was mental abuse. I was like, wow, a lot of things are just adding up. huh? So I should write down a list. So I don't forget all the things that's wrong with me and work on them yep. so I don't perpetuate that to my kids. But it's all about the generational thing. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's how, how they were raised. So that's how they raised us as well, yeah. though. Yeah. And like, race to survive. Yeah. So like, yeah. I'll, sometimes I'll talk to my roommates who are, I'm the only black one. So I'll be talking to them and I'll say certain things and they'll be like, Hold up, they did that to you. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, be like, I'll be like, that's not normal. <laughs> and they'll be right. sitting there with their mouths open. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, okay. I'm like, I didn't think that that was that like far left. Like y'all didn't get whoopings like that. Like, yeah. like, like, my mom used to tear me up. I mean, I deserved it. Yeah. It wasn't. I, I but, wasn't allowed to get me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Listen, when I first met Chris, he was the <laughs> quietest person I've ever met. I thought he hated everyone, <laughs> and then when I got to know him more, he's still the quietest person I ever met. And so he'll be sitting there internalizing the world, and. I was like, you good? And he's like, this is life. I'm like, it's cool. <laughs> and he's like having like a whole mental breakdown. Yeah, I'm cool. I was like, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Chris, Chris is not quiet. He's not. I mean, he's quiet out of me and Sam. I think I'm pretty loud. Sam's pretty <laughs> loud. But Chris is loud. But around y'all, he's kind of quiet. It's just like quiet with us. I think it's because our group is very crazy and we go out into the extremes. <laughs> I will still say Chris is quiet. Okay. If we compare yeah, it, yeah, Chris is he's the on, he's on the team, man. Yeah, and you also got realized like usually when one of y'all two are being loud, it's being towards me. Towards <laughs> <laughs> no. That's not true. It's usually it's usually me and Sam going at each other. Then Chris is gonna start yelling at us to be quiet, and, and then, then we turn our attention to Chris because I'm yelling at you. 
Yeah, because you're not my daddy. <laughs> Everybody hates Chris. You screaming at Chris? Yeah. Actually, you're not my daddy. <laughs> I'm um, but I think, like, uh, another thing to add to it, going off that, so if y'all listening don't know, Chris is my older brother, and we have another brother named Sam. So, like... That's her we, twin, everybody. Yeah, yeah. And um, Chris, like, if our parents were gone, Chris was in charge of me and Sam. So, they... And they put that on Chris. So, like, if me and Sam was acting up, which nine times out of ten, we'd be acting up... <laughs> That pressure was on Chris. So Chris would get in trouble for it. So I think, and I think that happens in a lot of black families too. Chris, I I feel your pain. So I feel like if, if, if one person is doing something wrong, so if like me and Sam was fighting or some crap and Chris don't stop it. Like Chris used to threaten to whoop me and I'd be so scared. <laughs> <laughs> like Chris would threaten to whoop me and I'd be like, I'm going to tell daddy. And he's like, you tell him and I'm going to whoop you again. So I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> let, let me act right. You know what I mean? Ashley, I think you and I are the only people on the call that are like younger sibling, to be honest. Yeah. I know uh, Fran has like older brother, but she's mm-hmm. like the older sister, the older mm-hmm. sister. So I mean, what do you older siblings think? No, I get in trouble. Oh, need to sit down. Yeah, because Jay would be at football practice all the time, and he would be with his friends. So I would be like in charge when mom went to work or like she went shopping, and my little sister Shaq. Oh, she ain't want to listen to nobody, especially me, because she's like, you're only one year older than me, two years, <laughs> two years older than her, and she's the only one that gave me lip, so, <laughs> since we're, yeah, so since we're one year older, like, I'm only one year apart, I hate to say it, me and my sister used to fight, like, I just I didn't learn how to... <laughs> internalize all those emotions i'm not good at comebacks so <laughs> so she could say one smart thing and i'll be like stop like that and i just go oh, I'm sorry i didn't want to do that i just didn't have a comeback so it's like just listen to me but i used to get in trouble like if she didn't vacuum the floor but that was her chore mom would be home be like why my floor vacuum don't look at me that's your daughter. <laughs> She's like, I left you in charge. Okay, I got it. I understand now. My bad. So, yeah. I used to get in trouble. Jay yeah, just uh, out, yeah. so he didn't get in trouble. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 same thing over here too, Fran. I mean, like, if like like she was saying earlier, usually I'd be left in charge of those two. So usually she'd be like, if we had like something to do, she would usually do it. But like, if it's, if it's like Sam, my brother, he may or may not do it. 60 40 probably won't. He won't. <laughs> and, I said what uh, I said. <laughs> you know, so it's usually like we would like either and, and if and if I didn't notice and they would come home, oh it's a wrap. Both of us in trouble. And she's probably getting a stern talking to too, at least. So because like they just try to hold us all accountable, but they, they always it always comes back to me it's just like, well, you're the older one, so you you're the one who's responsible for it. 
no matter what the situation was. I could have been upstairs doing my own thing, doing whatever. And they were downstairs doing their own thing or doing whatever. And because I was, they they were away from my supervision doing whatever, that's it's, it's my fault. Yeah, <laughs> I can co-sign. <laughs> that is One thing my mom did do, um, when, if I got in trouble, then she'll punish all of us. Mm. So instead of, I think that was like the smartest thing. And some people might think it's like, cool. Like why is she getting punished? She didn't do nothing. She did it because she wanted us to be tight knit. She wanted us to go to each other when we're going through it. So all of us being punished together instead of like picking on each other and being like, oh, you stupid friend for doing that. It's like, all right, what are we going to do next time, y'all? Because this can't happen again. I can't be getting punished because you keep doing that. So instead of like pinning against each other, she like brought us together as siblings. And I, I appreciate it to this yeah. day. It makes everybody accountable for everybody else's actions. I like yeah. that. Yeah. It doesn't single people out. Yeah. So I don't think that would work for everybody, but <laughs> no, no, but it, 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 it makes sense how it works with y'all family nah. why y'all are so close too. It makes it sense. Work for me. Because she, <laughs> um, she was like, Look, all we have is each other. So y'all better get with it. And we got with it. Hmm. That's interesting dynamic dynamic. Because I'm my friend's my feelings like the opposite kind of because, I mean, my sister and I are what, four and a half years apart. Um, what's funny is that she's more of, like, the responsible kind of goody two-shoes kind of person, especially in school. She's, like, the straight-A student. I'm, like, the chaotic... I may be older, but I'm, like, the chaotic, like, rebel child. You know? Like, too... <laughs> sometimes almost too independent-minded, where I'm, like, no, oh, I want to do this and do that. So, I'm, like, I think... My mom, my mom and I clash a lot more than than they do, because they're kind of more like in line, like in line mindset. Where I'm more like my dad, but I don't know. It's a it's a interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have two siblings, two brothers, but like uh, one of them, I'm like five years older than, and one of them was like a seven year gap. So it was like we're like different, but when we were growing up. Like, our grandmother would, like, anytime, like, I did something stupid, like, in the past, she would associate what I did with them. So, if they ever lied in school, that's my fault. <laughs> I taught them how to lie. I taught them how to rob. Like, so, I'm growing up. I'm like, oh, am I that bad? God damn it. Like, I know I was stealing this shit, but, I mean, am I that bad? But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean every time man like they would do something and then it just falls on me somehow it is fault yeah i hope you understand that do you understand where this is coming from i i don't know no i just i don't know like <laughs> i think it's really just like the association yeah it's yeah. like when, when they see that you're the eldest in my culture you can't really mess up. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you mess up, they'll just attribute everything to you. If the younger ones start doing certain things similar, it's like, oh, Peter, did you teach him how to do this? Yeah. Oh, Peter, you how to, yeah you're supposed to be the little yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm supposed to be, like, the goody two Automatically assume you're the influence. Yeah, yeah, just because of Pat. And I did some crazy things, but I'm not... 
I can't teach somebody how to lie. Right. <laughs> how do I, now, I get a man? Hmm? Is there anything you would have like changed about the way you went about it? Like, do you think it had like it played a big toll on you? Like, I mean, you know? yeah, I mean, it wasn't really like my mother who did that. It was my grandmother. So yeah, I just like my mother is not like um, she like she equally punishes. So like, if you did something stupid, she just gets money for that. Whereas my grandmother had like an older way to thinking of like. If you did something bad, that means you learned it from the elder. So I just think it's a generational thing. Because my mom, obviously, she's she's cool. Not really on that mm-hmm. type of stuff. But do you think Punish. that love has built you to, to the man you are today? Like, it made you tough a little bit? To make you conscious? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, made, it made me tough. It made me angry. You know what I'm saying? But... <laughs> It may it did definitely toughen me up because like I, our culture like crying is a no no. Yeah. You get you could get whooped for crying, so crying is a no no. And yeah, man, back back in the day, man, it's crazy. But yeah. um, <laughs> I'm a doctor, and I'm not trying to be one. But you see how you just played all that off, and you just like laughed it off instead mm-hmm. of like well, you're not gonna deal with it right now because it's not a therapy session. But you think you should like take that anger and you know release it, yeah, and try to heal it, heal from it instead of you know it's cool, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's true. Uh, Have you talked to your grandmother about it? I mean. <laughs> we I, I had a moment we had a moment like a couple of years ago that went a little left but mm. not really i don't really like she's not she's too old school man it's like hard to like she has a certain like when certain people think a certain way they're not gonna change it's like yeah I, I, me, I, feel I was like, me i said i'm gonna move on you can be if you want to be on because if you want to be on that petty stuff you can do that i'm you know i moved on i'm doing my own thing so i don't really care to address it right now, how would you? I'm sorry for all the questions. I didn't mean to repeat the show. But I just want, as a culture and as a community, how are you going to stop that cycle for when you have your kids? Because uh, it's easier to have it done, like, oh, I'm not going to do that with my kids. And then you have I mean, kids. Like, I mean, I kind of had like a father that was kind of abusive in a certain way. So. I saw certain things that like I just wouldn't do mm-hmm. like from a young from a young age. So I I don't like to be the uh I don't want to be that um type of parent that's just like a always on his kids because when you do when you do that, they mm-hmm. tend to hide and yeah. they will never open up to you. So like I don't want to be that type of parent, but at the same time, I don't want them to like think they can just talk to me anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not your friend. Yeah, I'm not your. I'm not your friend. I'm just your parent. So I think balancing it definitely yeah. helps. Yeah, you can be friendly, friendly with your kids, but like they have to have that respect for you. Yeah. And I know, um, I know for me, uh, just growing up with because I said so, mm. like that drove me absolutely insane. Because like just knowing my personality, I I like to know like get down to the core root of why this happens or why this is done. Like what is, what, like what leads to this kind of behavior, this mindset, 
And then to hear something like, to hear because I said so, it's kind of like just brushing it off, like, oh, you don't matter. Like, you'll never understand it. And so that would drive me insane and almost like, almost kind of treat me like I'm stupid. It's not because it's because they don't know. They don't want to help this because they're supposed yeah. to know everything in your eyes, yeah. but they don't, they don't want to be. Or they don't want to take time to like explain, and that's right. what that's one thing I don't like for my kids. I like if there's anything I want to be able to explain to them why this happened, so they're not looking for like a reason somewhere else or like you know I don't. No, I understand because sometimes I work with when I'm working with the kids. I have to catch myself from saying because I said so. Yeah. But again, I'm like where a part of me grew up on, I don't question adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if a child a child, hey, log on to your class and they say why, yeah, that would say that too. Like well, if it's if it's like constantly like, why, why, why? Why I gotta do this? Why I gotta do that? Then I can sort of I uh but, it's, it needs to be a balance. It's a yeah balance. Like my mom, I think we didn't have the relationship we had all the time because right now my mom isn't one of my best friends. But we we weren't always like that. Um, I think she had yelled at me, and I was like trying to explain my side of it. But she yelled over me. She's like, and don't you think you're going to come out your mouth and talk to this? And I was like, okay. And I shut down. And I think she shut down in that moment. And she to me, and she was just like, what were you going to say? And so I think the whole relationship changes when she actually gave a chance to explain myself and to talk for myself, you know, instead of just shutting me down. Now, with my mom is a different story because from our background she had to break the cycle she was it was too much chaos and she broke the cycle and that moment right there joey it only takes one moment to change everything so that moment right there to me broke the cycle and now i can talk to mom of course i ain't gonna talk to her about everything but from what i'm saying is it had it was for my mom to change the cycle. Like of course I'd be ready to change the cycle every day, but it's not gonna work if she's not ready to do it. So I believe yeah. like parents aren't like she told herself, Oh, I'm not gonna do that when I grow up and have kids. But she actually did it. She didn't just say it. Yeah. She actually did it. So I believe like when you guys talk to your moms and dads, I'm not specifically saying you guys but like Mm -hmm. when people talk to their moms and dads they're looking for all like they have all this hope and this trust that something's going to change but it's sad to say that nothing's going to change unless that parent really wants it to because if they're okay with the relationship you guys have right now that's Mm -hmm. that's what it's going to be and that's up because a lot of kids and a lot of because we're still kids in our parents eyes even though we're 25 and up but a lot of kids want better for their relationships and want to better their relationships and their parents have this like wall up that we can't break down. And the only way they can break that down is if they work on it and they feel from whatever put that wall up. Mm-hmm. And it, it just sucks. So I'm sorry that kids go through that. Yeah, because that's um, the kind of like the, the situation I'm in. It's kind of similar to, to Peter's where 
my mom's kind of like his grandmother. Um, and like my mentality, like it, like it takes two, like you said, like, um, but if, if the other person doesn't want to, I guess, recognize that or change, then, you know, it kind of, it, 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 it's definitely put a strain on our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's actually one of the, <laughs> one of my anxiety inducers just, just being as close proximity with like just completely different mindsets. It's like, it's, uh, it's just a lot of friction. And so, yeah. um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard, man. Yeah. I think that whole, uh, because I said so thing kind of comes from like, like the parents own anxiety too, like them being tired and yeah. the survival mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And they, it's, it's easy. Something that yeah. like, you're my child. Just listen to me while I do this. As a, cause, cause they, I mean, they aren't wrong, but they're nowhere near right either. Cause it's just, it's not cause you said, so there is a reason because of it, but right. the part of the reason is because they said, so. but the, but the actual, but the, I mean like, but the actual, but there is an actual reasoning behind it. It's like, mm-hmm. like your mom tells you, don't touch your, don't put your hand on the stove. Cause I told you to, it's, it's cause you, you scold yourself, but she also mm-hmm. wants you to be like obedient in that sense. And, she could, right. She could stop and explain that to you, or she could, but she may be tired and doesn't like this boy should just know better than this. So just because I said so, just just know that you don't do that. Don't touch your high stuff. And and again, like at, at some point, you probably shouldn't have to explain something that simple, but just for the sake of the explanation, it's yeah. just you see what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah so. My mom let me work on my own. Uh, if, I, if I question too much, because I would ask her stuff all the time, and then at some point she would, she wouldn't have an answer because I would ask so many questions. She had damn, I ran out of answers. Yeah. <laughs> she told me not to slide downstairs. I was like, why? I don't even think she told me why, but I mean, it was so I didn't get carpet burn. No, she did. I was like, why? She was actually going to get carpet burn. I was like, oh, and my dumbass did it anyway, and I got carpet burn. And, I, you know, and that's how I learned. Ashley still to this day questions you. Yeah, I do. Like 25 years old. Hey, Ashley, don't put the blanket on the floor. Why? I just have to know why. What do you mean? Why? I mean, I don't want to know why. I want to learn. She is still curious because she's a cat. <laughs> I think that was one of my biggest issues as a kid. Always asking why and wanting an answer. And that's probably why I got my butt. Tore yeah. up as much as I did. That sounds yeah. like a, a young sibling thing. Yeah. <laughs> a, a little child thing. Because y'all get away with a lot of stuff. I, I, get don't, know with, know I don't know about that, man. I, know. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Because if my parents didn't catch me, Chris caught me and I was getting the punishment some way, somehow. Because, <laughs> like, if they found out. I get in trouble, you get in trouble, and depending if he knew, he got in trouble too. Yeah, and nine times out of ten, like I said, it was me and Sam causing the ruckus. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Chris coming in the room, yelling at us, fussing. I wish one time my sister had broke a lamp, something simple. And I went in the room. I was like, ooh, you're going to get in trouble. You got to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, and did you know she broke it? Huh? What? Yes. 
You ain't call me yeah, so like, yeah, I was like, okay, what did you learn? Mind your business. <laughs> but yeah, we all got in trouble except Jay. <laughs> Jay was smart. I mean, he had to be like, "Yo, why do y'all keep doing stupid stuff?" Like, and we were like, "We don't know." <laughs> <laughs> that was Chris for us. <laughs> That's what boys do to sometimes. They just gotta learn by themselves. Yeah. I guess that's like you saying with yourself though. You, you gotta learn by yourself. <laughs> I didn't have anybody to learn from. Yeah. 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 I went to YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. Greatest teacher of all time. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but uh I was uh <laughs> colorism affected. Oh no. Mm. Mm. I think I hit a nerve. <laughs> I hit a nerve. <laughs> I hit a nerve. That, well, how, how do you think um, colorism affects not just you in general, but just black people in general? It's super divisive. Go ahead, girl. Go off. Colorism. Mm. The thing, the thing was not real. Mm. They ignored it. That's not true. She just ugly because she ugly. <laughs> it's not because she dark skinned. Thank you. <laughs> 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 I think yeah. like it's like crazy when you really think about things and like little comments that black people would say and you just brush it off because that's just what we said is what we did. But now that you're aware of things, you mm-hmm. realize, well, that was colored. That was anti-black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we definitely we definitely are the generation because we're so aware of yeah. everything at our parents and our grandparents and all that stuff that they passed down that it was okay. And I remember when I was growing up, I didn't want to get darker. I don't want to be in the sun too much because I don't want to get darker. I'm already black. And I'm like, what? Like, you think about stuff like that now and it's just like, why did you feel that way? Right. What's wrong with being black? Mm-hmm. Nothing. I, black. Yeah. I am someone who also felt the same way, but I don't know what changed or what clicked, but I am like loving my skin mm-hmm. that I am. So that is an accomplishment. It really is an accomplishment. Thank you. Black is and beautiful. Black is beautiful. Because <laughs> we're told that the darker like you are, is like the more unappealing you are. Mm-hmm. So 
like a life change is what's right. Like, no, we the re the way I love my dark skin is crazy. I can do so much. I can be so much. I love so much. So it's like I just love it. And I love the fact that my mom, we actually had a big conversation about colorism. She didn't think I had an issue with it. It was Oprah's thing, right? Mm-hmm. With the dark skin girls and the light skin girls. Yeah, she thought um because she grew up and she went to city school, so everybody was black. It didn't matter what color you are, you everybody was just black. But she we went to um county county schools. So I was looked down upon because I'm like, oh first I was a new girl, then I was a dark skin girl. So Ain't nobody looked my way. I was bullied. I was, you know, it, it happened. And I told my mom about this. I think I was in college when I told her about it. And she she cried. And I was like, Mom, why are you crying? She's like, I did not know you were having issues with this. And we had conversations about it. And she just was like, if I had known, I would have definitely, like, nipped that in a bud mm-hmm. at the time. But I didn't know it was an issue until I grew up. It was like, okay. Like we were aware, but like we didn't know it was an issue. It was normal. Yeah. I thought it was normal. I'm dark skin. He doesn't like me because I'm dark skin. You know? Like, but no. If somebody would have definitely told me that, I'm sorry, I don't care what y'all say, everybody wanted a black woman. Mm-hmm. Or B, yeah. B, B one, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Cause look at I, beauty standards today. You said Kim what? Kardashian, I said look at beauty standards today. Yeah. Kim mm-hmm. Kardashian and them uh, all trying to look like they black and stuff. Yeah. Especially the lips. Yeah. 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 I know. The lips. Yeah. The waist ratio, the braids. I'm sorry, the braids. Uh, that grandfather, the boxer braids. Yes, Gerard. What do you think? Huh? About the braids. (laughs) What do you think? On who? About the braids. White people with braids. (laughs) (laughs) It's off. Like it's it's it it throws me off. Um, mostly because. Like, it was us who get demonized and considered thugs that we had braids mm-hmm. or, like, uncultured, but white people do it. It's a fashion statement. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. It's weird because they it's, like, it's fetishized now. Yeah. They fetishize us. Fashion. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like that. Uh, everybody want to be black, but nobody want to be black type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. Yeah. it's black when it's convenient. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I know. Um, for me, uh, I know. Like growing up, like toddler to maybe early elementary school. Um, my like I never saw. I'm not. The, I wasn't the type. Of, like I never saw race. But I never saw. I guess, you know, the different skin tones as a problem, or I never saw it in my society like as a problem. Cause I went to school with multiracial people, white, mm-hmm. black, Hispanic, Asian, Indian. Um, but it wasn't until like I sw- I went to, to public school 
um, like right around the time like I met Sion, like late elementary school. And I, one, noticed like a lot of the, the light-skinned kids would be the ones who would get like a lot of the attention and were the ones who were considered attractive, especially mm-hmm. by girls and they're popular. And dark-skinned dudes like me were just kind of seen as ugly mm-hmm. and unwanted. And that hurt so much to the point where I just like, I, I hated, I hated my dark skin, man. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way up until like late, late, late high school. Um, Cause I just, I just saw the constant pattern of, you know, if you're light skin, you're, you're, you're valued a lot higher than dark skin. But um, it wasn't until late high school and college, or e- actually, you know, even in middle school, um, I said, very sad to say, I didn't see dark skinned girls as attractive, you know? And I, like, looking back, I was a dumbass, but um, I just didn't value them as attractive. I value white girls, Asian girls, all stuff attractive, but, you know, surrounded by like, all my friends, that's what they value. That's what the society around me valued. I was like, I'll value that too. Um, but it wasn't until I, I um, you know, like like I said, late high school and college, especially college, I learned to to love my my beautiful black skin. You know, I look kind of purple today. But it's okay. Yeah. I learned like I was like, hey, I could be, you know, Morris Chestnut, Tay Diggs, you know, Blair Underwood, like all beautiful black men. So I was like, what's, what's wrong with my skin? Um, and I learned no. to just love myself. And I, I, I stopped caring what, what people said or what people thought. Um, yeah. It was a real Do you think like the correlation between you hating your own skin as a dark skin man and you pushing that onto dark skin women therefore hating yeah. them too? Yeah. I think a lot of black men, especially dark skin black men, they internalize that self-hate. And then instead of like as per usual, they will push that hate onto dark skinned black women or brown skinned mm-hmm. black women and make them feel insecure when in reality it's black yeah. men that feel insecure. Yeah. And I I I it's just yeah. weird that I, I shifted because like as a toddler, like really young kid, I love dark skinned women. Oh my god, man. Brandy was my biggest crush. Back in the day, Ooh, man. Um, and then just over time, I had that that switch in the mindset. And then just looking back, I'm like, damn, man, that that's that was just a crazy time. Was just, you see that yeah, was also like, so, yeah, like um, Kodak Black, he got some fucking number, but he was yeah, like, he, uh, they were asking him about <laughs> his dating preferences and all that stuff. He was like, they asked him if he like Kiki Palmer. He was like, she cute or whatever, but she too dark. I don't like dark skins. Yeah. And then he got a lyric like, don't want no black bitch. I'm already black, and a lot of them fake like it. And I believe crazy. it's because <laughs> that's so crazy. I feel like as humans, we always look to like if their partner. Once you see your partner, you see your kids, and mm-hmm. maybe because whatever mm-hmm. they went through right. as a dark skinned person, they don't want their kids to go through it. It is like so. It's like, oh, I don't like dark skinned women because I don't want a dark skinned baby, mm-hmm. and then 
I'm going to have to teach my child to actually love their skin they're in, but I don't even know how to love yeah. my skin. So it's like they're trying to avoid that altogether. So it's like easier to just, hey, I like light-skinned women. I prefer light-skinned women because then I don't have to deal with yeah. my child being picked on or being looked over or not being valued for their skin because they're light and pretty and white. And piggybacking off of that, the Eurocentric values that we put in every single country, if you see it across the world, it's not just America, mm-hmm. but you see the lighter portion of whatever race they're representing, and that's the, the face of the country. The face of the face. country. So when you get like, oh, this we have a black actress in our movie, we have a black whatever, and it's like a biracial person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm confused as to well, I'm not really confused, but you can just see it. It is, and it's upsetting because it's like this narrative that's perpetuating that black people are good enough. Mm-hmm. The darker you are, you don't have the, any positive connotations to say about it. So you see this erasure of black voices, of black faces, and then it's like we cannot be valued as that. So this pro-black movement of seeing Fenty lines and seeing a lot more... Black representation Mm -hmm. of being comfortable in the skin that you're in, not trying to lighten your skin, Mm -hmm. okay with having kinkier hair, Mm -hmm. okay with having braids. And and, I mean, I'm I'm sick of seeing light-skinned people of any kind of race representing all of Mm -hmm. us. We come in different, we're not a monolith. We have so many beautiful colors within us. And I think it's about time we start to center the voices around the most mm-hmm. oppressed, which are the darker skin people of, of black people. Let's start there because that's who we are. And it brings you back to mental health because, because we're so oppressed, it's normal mm-hmm. to be oppressed like the darker skin. And we are looked at as, oh, she's strong, yeah. he's strong. So he'll like, like he's strong, he'll get over it. He'll get by, like he'll get through this. We're dehumanized that way. Well, they only know they're strong. Yeah. Yeah. They be all right. They're, they're okay. Yeah. But if Sally over there had her, her, she had three, um, therapists, psychiatrists. Sally needs help. You guys like right now. Petition right now. Like, no. We're going to have a GoFundMe just for Sally. (laughs) And I'm like, what about everybody else? Who, who went down in the dumps and struggling and right. actually having like our problems. And so it's like, we have to fight and kick our way well, and, like, and, and so let people know like, we have feelings too. Exactly. And um, what's funny yeah. is that like, so, like just like, like a slight tangent, um, that's the exact same thing that's happening with the, uh, I guess the, the opioid epidemic. Oh, um, yeah. It's the number one, it's the number one killer of white people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, number one killer of white people so there's all this attention to it now but back in the day when they were flooding our streets with crap you know exactly. where were they where were they where's they the criminalize us that's because they, they don't care yeah. about us they really yeah, don't yeah. and the problem is like they don't see it like i go to a pwi none of them realize like i I'm, I'm not trying to put everybody in the category because i do have like one or two friends and i'll say it one or two friends that understand the struggle, but the majority of them don't understand the struggle. You know what I mean? They, 
I don't, I mean, like, it's everywhere on the news. So, like, at this point, I'm like, you're choosing to ignore the, the differences. You know what I mean? And it Ooh. it literally makes me angry. And I try to, like, you know, you try to educate people on it. But it's like, mm. especially with the election, everybody's talking about, oh, all these stupid liberals, they just want um, um, the police defunded and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, we want the police to stop killing black folks. Well, like, <clears throat> I get so angry thinking about it because it's like, y'all don't understand. Like how, if, if you consider me your friend, why wouldn't mm. you address it? You know what I mean? If we're really friends, why wouldn't you address it? And let that, oh, let that sink in. Are you really friends with somebody if you don't understand their struggle? If you don't see people looking at me when I was sitting in the cafe and somebody saying the N word and you just going to sit there while I go off on them, you know what I mean? <laughs> stuff like that. So it's just like, are you really my friend? Or are you just sitting here? Cause it's easy just to say, Oh, I have a colored friend. Don't call me a colored friend. I'm black. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. Yeah. You're not transparent. You white, you a color too. You know what I'm saying? Like thinking about that just kind of makes me angry because going off of what Gerard said, like the op- opioids, like I go to school in Western PA. You see the um, what are they called? The signs on the side of the road road or yeah. whatever. You see those all board. over the place. Do you need help? Free help all over the place. Right. But you don't see you. If you go to like a predominantly black area, you ain't going to see nothing like that. You're just going to see you police know. cars. You're going to see, a liquor, <laughs> gonna see store. police cars on the, literally, you know, and people don't understand that. They really yeah. don't. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. mad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think, I think my true breaking point with uh, with that was one time I came up to see Fran, I think, and you told me your uh, your youngest sister uh, even took notice of that, and not to say she, I think she was still in high school at the time, because that's yeah, what, yeah. And, the, and and not to say like she's not very bright or anything, because she truly is. But no, she's the smartest one of all of us. If a child can see this. Then this 35-year-old man over here can see this, regardless of race. You should be it's just a it's just a complete lack of empathy on, on their behalf and saying, like, this is an epidemic, and that is just you guys' problem. You guys need to straighten up your, your right and this that it's just like you literally are ignoring the exact same problem with just a different substance. And that's crazy. That is literally crazy. You're looking at the same problem, putting a B instead of a C there, and now Ooh. hey, it's, it's, yep. it's a problem. It's a problem, guys. We, we gotta do something to solve this problem. Right, our people are dying off. <laughs> That's what they don't talk about. They oh. say f y'all, but we have to take care of our own. We don't care about y'all, right? And then if they you bring us. if you bring our that own. back to the um to the pandemic that's going on now, it's killing the majority of minorities. I'm not trying to generalize. I'm going to put that out there. But there's white people in these little country towns that don't want to wear masks. Don't get me wrong. There's black folks that don't want to wear masks, too. But come on now. It's crazy. It it just doesn't. It don't make sense. It's been politicized. Literally. And it shouldn't. (laughs) No. Health health is not a political statement. Only in this country, man. Only in this country would something like that be politicized. Yeah. It, It don't make any type of sense to me. Especially, like I said, I go to school in Western Pennsylvania. That's Trump country. I don't care if you're a Democrat and I don't care if you're a Republican. I just hope you have some 
common sense enough to put on a mask. You know what I mean? Like I go, I'll go out somewhere and people don't have masks on. I'm like, get away from me. Like I got into it with this man at Giant Eagle. I'm standing in line in Slippery Rock trying to get my dang on groceries. And this man going to come stand right behind me. And I turned around and I said, excuse me. And he just looked, looking at me like I'm crazy. And I said, I said, excuse me, I need six feet. You know what I mean? Like people ignore it. And I'm not trying to be mean to people, but like, what you trying to do? Like you see the little stickers on the ground. Stand on your sticker. Actually, despite what's funny is that I work with with Uh, some of those people, you know. What'd you say? Like, I was saying I I work with some of those like type of people, and even in sometimes close proximity, uh, because like we had to uh, one point go into the office, right? Uh Um, and the rule, like the building manager's rule, is like if you're like if you're walking around the halls, you know you have to have a mask on. If you're in your office, you don't have to have to have, you don't have to have a mask on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, at one point I was in my office alone, and so I didn't have a mask at all. I would go in and do some work and go home. But then, soon my coworkers started to come back into our office. We sh- we share office, but got to the point where they were way too lax because they're kind of like the kind of people who are like, you know, it, it impedes on my rights. Mm-hmm. as American and whatnot. And so I was like, hell no, man. I'll keep my mask on until I go home. You know, because they, because like, it, they don't take it that seriously. It's like, it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be political, man. It's- it should be basic, like, decency. We're in, like, we're all affected by this. So we should all be Pandemic. in this together to help, like, save, like, our people. You know what I'm saying? Whether you're black, white, spread, who cares? Like, old, young, we all Americans, we gotta do what we can to save ourselves but when you like individualize yourself like oh no i'm my own individual you know especially with this pandemic you know it doesn't just affect you it affects everyone around you and everyone you communicate with um so the fact that this politicized is just complete bull and and again Uh, like complete like lack of empathy type thing like if i can do something to help my neighbor which is as simple as putting on my mask just in case that i'm sick I don't spread my germs to them. Thank yeah. you. It's it's a simple task. It is a simple task. There's no paperwork involved. Mask costs yeah, five dollars at CVS. At least the last time I was at CVS, the, the mask was five dollars over here. No, they went up. Yeah, they went up. Okay. But still, it's just wanna... like it's not. It's, but, but just in general, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. Yeah. Look, Americans are notorious to be super patriotic, and I'll do anything for my country. And until it, until it affects, until it affects yeah. somebody you know, but um, yeah. yeah, Americans are selfish. You say put on a mask, and they're the first person to cry about it, and it's <laughs> whatever they want to do. Yeah, and talk about civil rights to cry about. Thank you. I'm like, I will die on this hill. I swear, it. It blows my mind to this day that it's not harming you and you are still going to put up a fight. A grown person is going to have a full-blown tantrum in a grocery store in public for not breathing on other people. It impedes on my rights as an American. And they always say it's so hard to breathe or they feel restricted. It's the same thing like putting on a shirt. 
I'm an asthmatic, and so is Gerard. We're both asthmatic, and we wear our mask. And Frank too. I, when I was uh, going back <laughs> to the office all day, I wore my mask all day for eight hours as an asthmatic, yeah. and I was fine. Well, you it see little babies wear masks. Exactly. It doesn't. It just you, you make them slightly uncomfortable. I don't like this, so I won't do it. I was watching um, a news segment about one of the nurses in the ER, and I think she's like from a Midwestern state, like North Dakota or something like that. Oh, and she told me, like, she didn't tell me, but she was telling the news reporter um, when people are dying from COVID, they will, they don't even believe it's a real thing. They think it's a hotel. So their last breaths, instead of asking for their family, they're just like, it's not real. Yes. So people are in the delirium state where they are still yet to face the facts that it's a real thing. It kills people. And these frontline workers are putting the whole society on their backs because these people are being fed lies. And that's a bigger can of worms I'm not willing to go into right now because that's a whole nother segment because I thought mm-hmm. we were on colorism. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it is awful to see how... It was exposing, like what Ashley said earlier. It's how stupid we really are as a country. We look like a joke to the world. We really do. Great, great America that the world has once seen. They do one more right, and they think they're amazing. It's just good marketing. That's all. Yeah, the marketing that we had, the good marketing. Branding is beautiful, but really look at what they really stand on, which is stolen land and slavery. It's not that great. Genocide. Preach. So that's why when people say Happy Thanksgiving, I'm like Indigenous Day. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Or Columbus Um, Day. Nah, it's Indigenous Day. <laughs> Just to come back on the colorism thing, because I know we went on a little spin. <laughs> I think um, real is back um, in. Yeah. <laughs> for me, I, I'll, I'll make this short. But for me personally, that uh, growing up dark skin my whole life, uh, like guys like Michael Jordan, you know Martin Lawrence, all these characters, I didn't see. The diminishing yet to like I reached like middle school, and then like you know like Gerard he was saying like the light skinned guys, they got all the girls, were talked about, so like for me I envy that I envy that heavy, yeah, and then it's like everybody came for me. You're dark skin, everybody comes for you. The Mexicans, the white people, <laughs> everybody comes for you when you dark skin. Dark skin so. jokes. Yeah, all the dark skin jokes for, I mean, if it's a dude saying those jokes, like, I don't care. We could always duke it out, like, fight. But a female, I can't say nothing. Like, like I can't really say nothing to a female that calls me ugly or whatever. So I just got to take that. And, like, for Why the moment. Because it, it's like, it's like, it's like, I can't, like, I, I like to, fight. I don't like to just, I'm not good with comebacks. <laughs> I like to fight. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, I'm not really good. I like to fight. So, <laughs> when a girl, when a girl does that, it's like, dang, like now, I like, cause now thinking about it now, that cre- that's like my biggest anxiety. Mm-hmm. Talk to a girl, and it's like, hard. That's when, my uh, biggest anxiety. 
it's hard like, when you have low self-esteem as well because you're not what like you're not really willing to fight for yourself and it's no it's sad man it's like no, it's just remember those days or mental health yeah, yeah. Tra- charlie murphy jokes mm-hmm. darkness mm-hmm. black and purple but yeah that, that's my experience in a nutshell I don't, I, yeah. I don't think I really, I mean, obviously we all experienced it because people always have like the black jokes and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. like maybe in a twin, me and Sam are two different shades. So mm-hmm. people used to always make like little remarks and stuff like that. They'd be like, well, why is he darker than you? Y'all have two different dads, stuff like that. And I'd be like, so what you trying to say about my mother? You know, black right. people come out in different shades. But like, mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, people would always make comments about our hair saying, why is our hair so curly and we're darker mm-hmm. skinned? They'd always want to ask, what are we mixed with? And what is, ask what ethnicity um, our grandmother is, our grandfather and stuff like that. And I'd be like, that's none of your business. You, you're trying to just like generalize, you know what I mean? And people associate that those kind of negative traits with mm-hmm. blackness. They see like a hint of, oh, you got hazel eyes. Well, that's cute. But I know you didn't get that from your black hair. Mm-hmm. Like I wore my hair out in like one puff, and the my coworker at the time, she was just like, "Wait, that's all your hair?" I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this whole time, I thought that was like a a hair piece. Okay, um, like what is? It still would be mine if it was a hair piece. Exactly. Um, but I'm not supposed to have. Growing hair, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. such a generalization for black women. We all bald hitting. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and people want to touch your hair too. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my goodness. Because, like, because uh, I remember at, at work, hold on. <laughs> I remember at work, um, my supervisor at, at the time, she was, she's Nigerian and she has different hairstyles, you know, like a couple months. And one of my coworkers, she's Asian, she's like, oh, Love your hair. Can you stop. Can I touch your hair? And <laughs> I looked at her. She looked at me and was like, no. And then I had to pull my coworker aside. I was like, hey, you know, especially like black me, like, you don't do that ever. Period. Like, you don't fighting words. Touching people. Just don't, don't, don't touch people's hair, period. Especially black people, man. Because that, like I said, just kind of just fetishizes us. It makes it seem like, like we're, we're an animal. Being. Like yeah. we're animals. Why do you want to pet me? Yeah. It's, I mean, we have been treated like that. We actually yeah, and I, 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 I don't know why like lighter skinned folks are like stigmatized to be pretty. That bothers me. And whiteness is the epitome of beauty, apparently. They're close to Eurocentric. Yeah. That's why I don't like the word preference, oh, I prefer light-skinned women. You mm. don't prefer light-skinned women. You've just been taught to like light-skinned and white. Girl, and you better preach. There's, mm. there's no like preference. those beige. There's no preference, either. preference means that you like this and you like that. But if you had both of these in front of you, you would pick this one over that one. That means that you like them both. The way that black men use the word preference, they don't like this one. They don't like the dark skin. They have a mandate. For light skin because they hate themselves. I and I mean, it's the truth. We all black. You have to value your blackness in all shades. If you're telling me you don't like this shade or that shade, you don't love yourself. Thank you. Facts. That's facts. That's facts. Mm. That's why I don't even get mad anymore. 
just like, shout out to yeah. the shout out to the beige community. <laughs> I'm Jamal Mix. Yeah, shout Shoot, out to them. we love all of our black brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and even in our family, not and not our immediate family, but like our whole extended family, like we have a big like range very <laughs> big it's literally like some can pass for white and then some are like it's very 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 dark very so, like i've i've never i mean like i i've i've experienced it there where like they might like the older people say something mm-hmm. you know like yeah. you yeah. like like that doesn't sound right you know like you, you're looking at that but being younger you know like our generation generally knows not to speak like that and then it's just kind of like I guess I never really acknowledged that until maybe high school when uh when not not with my family but like I heard like a similar joke said uh to uh one of my uh football teammates like they people kept calling him purple and stuff and mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't I didn't yeah I didn't I didn't get it neither and like I would just, I told him to like leave him alone cuz he was he wasn't fighting back very much and mm-hmm. uh I just I guess I like I well, I didn't sit down like at that time, but just like over, over time, because even around that time, it was like uh, Team Light Skin versus Team Dark Skin. Y'all remember that? It was all right. over like uh, you still going on? Like that was still going on, but like it was like people making money off of it though. Yeah. And so like, and I I never really like realized because I, I like to me black was black. Same. Cause yeah. Like me, like me and Ashley are both like pretty middle complexion. We always have been. But Sam, our brother, is darker than we are, like she said earlier. Sam got a pretty chocolate color to him. Yeah. And and pe- and because he was my brother, people never really, like, mess with him like that much. So that is what it is. But, <laughs> but um, so, like, until, until, like, that moment when I seen, like, my, uh, my teammate being picked on for his skin tone, I never, like, truly, like, acknowledged, like, people, like, spoke like that outside, like, their families. Yeah. Stuff like that. Going off of really, yeah. I remember like the mo- yo mama jokes, and this one kid was like, oh, "Her teeth so yellow, she like a Pittsburgh Steelers player." Or a player. <laughs> Damn, I never heard like, that one before. <laughs> Damn it. But going off of what Chris was saying, I guess I never really thought about it like outside of our family, literally until now. Like, so on our mom's side is a little bit. They got a little bit of everything, black, white, you know, this, that, Hispanic, a little bit of this and that. So, like, people would make jokes, like, like we'd make jokes, but it wasn't like we'd hear jokes, but we didn't ever pay it much attention. Like, we'd hear it and we'd be like, that's that's messed up because we're sitting here. We're like me and my brothers. We're like the darker ones. So we're sitting there and all like the lighter skinned cousins and aunts and uncles are like laughing and joking. And we're sitting here like. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm chocolate. I'm sitting here. Y'all are making all these light skin jokes. And I actually brought it up to my grandmother. And I was like, you shouldn't speak like this because your grandchildren are dark skinned. You may be very light skinned, but we're not. You're married to a very dark skinned man. So you got to consider that. And she was like, I never thought about it like that. We were just joking. And I was like, but it's not funny. But the light skin jokes? Well, it kind of goes both what both it's ways. Always, it's yeah. both ways. So like my grandfather is very dark skinned man and my grandma's very, very light skinned. 
So like when they get angry at each other, they'll be going back and forth. And like, it's funny in the house, but it's like, it's really not. You know what I mean? Like as kids, yeah. we would laugh. But like, as we got older, I'm like, hold up. It's that's about, not it's about why. So they associate dark skin with like masculine. And that's why a lot of dark skin women are seen as masculine and angry and strong and all of these. And they always associate light skin with fancy, beauty, femininity. That's soft. Why light yeah, soft. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of light <laughs> dudes are seen as soft. And they have to overcompensate. A lot of them are more aggressive than dark skin men. Yeah. That internalization. One thing I um I loved is that my grandmother, um, she's my mom's godmother, but uh, she she that didn't make no difference. She's family to us, um, and she was so light skinned to the point. And she, I thought she was for the longest time, like as a kid, I thought she was Asian, like because her eyes kind of squinted too, and she's like super light skinned. I thought she was Asian, um, but I just remember like anytime I go down and visit her. Um, <laughs> she always talks about how she loves her like her chocolatey men. She loves her dark. She loves her dark skinned men. Um, I think it's a reason for that. Huh? I think it's a reason that she loves dark skin because they yeah. love like skin men love light skin. Huh? I think it's a reason that a lot of light skinned women go towards dark skin men and vice versa. Internalization is of like dark skin is oh, you say dark skin is feminine, so they the opposites attract, they go towards both. Yeah, like, yeah. are you talking about the men being feminine? <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. Dark, darker men are considered more masculine. Darker skin is, is uh, like you're talking about your feminine, and y'all are talking about all these light skinned women and dark skinned men. It's just like it's crazy when you notice it. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to unlearn my behaviors when it comes to uh, dissing lighter-skinned men. As long as you realize that it's a problem, you know what I mean? At least you can realize realize the fault in that, you know what I mean? Because we're, cool we're all the same. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to crack one or two jokes, you know. Shamar, yeah. mark this moment though. When you listen to this, Shamar, <laughs> that it. <laughs> it's cool to crack, you know, two, two or three jokes. Oh, let it go, man. It's just jokes. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last, <laughs> the last um one on here. How do you like heal from like traumatic experiences? How do you heal? Yeah. You know yeah. you were in a traumatic experience and you deal with it. If you don't realize that whatever you went through was traumatic, then you're just going to go about your day. And there is no healing or no fixing that experience because, oh, um, mom just slapped me across the face. That's okay. But you later down the road, something triggers you. Like somebody slap you across the face, and then you have a flashback to when your mama slapped you across your face. So, if you don't notice it's a traumatic experience, then I think you're not going to deal with it, and you're not going to heal from it or work on it. You, yeah. I think, a- first step is to recognize what you're going through. 
Yeah, and that's that's why it's so like important to like pay attention to like how you're feeling because like when you when you when you deal with a physical traumatic experience, like let's say you get into a car accident, it's not something you can ignore. You you're physically feeling right. mm-hmm. as opposed to like if you're having a mental uh traumatic experience and you suppress it for twenty mm-hmm. years. May you literally may not realize until like that twenty years later when oh my gosh I can't believe this happened to me how did I not like realize this until just now and that's just a whole nother can of worms right there and it's just the whole realization is so much more important than people realize because they'll be like oh well this isn't a big problem because I don't feel like it is because I'm suppressing that emotion <laughs> which is just a whole other thing in itself there. Because you're suppressing the emotion that uh, of that memory, which you're also suppressing, which is just all the stress that you're building up when when it comes to like that realization. It's just I don't even know how to verbalize. It's just you know, yeah, a lot. <laughs> I think it's time too. Like if you're going through, uh, or if you know that you went through a traumatic experience, like it's not gonna like heal. Like, you know, within a couple of months, you need like a couple of years and, you know, some therapy to really get through it. Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, what bothered me was, um, I think, was it last year, uh, somebody's brother got shot by an officer, by a female yeah. officer in the house. Yeah, yeah. And the brother went on the stand and like he forgave, forgave the shooter, which is a white woman. And... That bothered me because it's like your your brother just died like what a month or two ago, like you can't get off of that trauma so quickly to you know to apologize. I mean to like forgive her. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like when uh, black people go through these traumatic experiences, we shouldn't just be so quick to forgive. Mm-hmm. We should like hold them accountable mm-hmm. and. You know what I'm saying? It'll help us in the long run. Because if we always do that, the cycle continues. They will continue to... They'll look at us to be the bigger person always. Always. And then it's always abuse. It will abuse. It's like the cycle continues. So I feel like we should like put our foot down more. And that'll help. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people are afraid of the healing. So they tend not to do the work. And I think that's the... common like misconception about healing they think it's a linear process like every day is going to get better but you're going to backslide and it's going to get worse before it gets better and you're going to have times where you feel like all these months of progress are just not working and so you should just might as well just be the same but i would always want to you know encourage people just to not stop even if it doesn't feel like you're getting there because healing from childhood traumas or whatever you went through that really shifted your the way you live it's gonna take a lot more than just I'm going to therapy it's gonna take the work and I know that's like an overused thing but you have to stop yourself from thinking the worst of things about yourself about your future and you have to like no stop you have to stop yourself in the tracks and Feed yourself positivity. Mm-hmm. And you just have to keep doing that. You have to stop your way of thinking and really everything else will start to follow. But it's a very hard process. We're taught to keep going. We're taught to just get back up and keep moving, keep moving. And I'm not saying stay down in that moment, but get on your feet, 
dust yourself off. Like that dusting yourself off part is the part that's going to help you keep walking forward and pushing forward, Mm -hmm. not just get up and then start walking again. Like I feel like we missed a step because we're taught, we're not taught to work on ourselves. So we're not taught to love ourselves. But once we don't love ourselves or once we are like, not into ourselves and taking care of ourselves, then it's so easy for someone to be like, oh, you need to work on yourself. Oh, you need to take care of yourself and love yourself. Where, like, where's the help? Yeah. Now all you have is love yourself, work on yourself, do this. How, like, I should have been learning this, learning how to do that before I had, I was forced to do it, you know? So mm-hmm. I definitely agree with what kids say. I also think it's important to like when you feel like you're backsliding to ask for help. Yeah. Because a lot of people want to like power through it and struggle through it, be like, okay, I can get this, I can get this, I can do this by myself. And sometimes you do need help. Yes. And like it it you may not even realize it. You could just be like, I don't know, let's like uh like you were saying earlier, friend, you call Michaela sometimes. You'd be like, Hey girl, what's up? You know, I'm just it, it, it can be a simple conversation. It doesn't have to be a lot. Yeah. Sometimes people don't want to bring in like that extra, that extra variable, that extra person come help mm-hmm. and like just push, like help push you along the way. I'm not saying they necessarily like have to hold your hand or anything, but yeah. it it is good to like have someone else to like help you because you can't always do all the work. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think sometimes black men see themselves as like Superman. You can't like show any weakness at mm-hmm. all. Or like your friend will tease you or say something about you, like, oh, you soft or you weak. So I think that plays into it. Where I feel like as women, black women feel like they can always talk to each other, like have that camaraderie without being petty. No, I mean, it's so much. Casually, I mean, yeah, as a group. Because okay. Ashley Kelly, you know, she was like, don't be in my business, you know? Okay, then, all right. You know? But I think it's different for me, though, because y'all got a tight-knit group of friends. You know what I mean? I was more like you, Ashley, before I went to college. Because I was definitely, I didn't have black girlfriends until I went to Frostburg. And so mm-hmm. I didn't really have that much foundation of, like, who I was as a person and, like, my blackness and how therapeutic it is to talk to black women. And so mm-hmm. really, Fran opened me up to to just tell like say how i feel and then ever since then i, I won't stop <laughs> we'll be up on the phone like i'll take a nap she'll still be on facetime and i'll roll over six hours like Are you still here yeah girl i'm like good because i got something more to say and i thought about it some more but i'm here with some more information and sometimes we internalize things well i always speak for myself i internalize things before i even go to ashley michaela or chris Sometimes I feel like I deal with it on my own. Yeah, instead of like putting those, like feeling like a burden to my friends or my family, I feel like, like, let me try to deal with it without any help, try to get through this. But sometimes it's a lot. And I think as humans, we should understand when it's too much and know that it is too much and get some help and like call someone like tag somebody in, tag team. Mm-hmm. Like, because um, it's okay to want to get help. It's okay to lean on someone. It's not um, <clears throat> what do you call it. 
not toxic to talk to your friend and talk to your mom, talk to your dad. You need a sounding board. You need yeah. a confidant. You need a, a close circle with you. So when things get tough, you can recognize that and really don't fall the same traps of trying to deal it, deal with it all by yourself. Exactly. I think we're all learning how to do that because, you know, even though we're really good at talking with each other, but what Ashley and Fran just said, like, we still try to figure it out before we come to each other. Mm -hmm. I think it's still like a work in progress. We're always <laughs> trying to uh, make sure like the next time like we have slip ups or times where we're down in the dumps, we deal with it and we handle it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also... Um, I had it, man. I had it in my head. Uh, but one big struggle is when, like, like we always talk about backslides is trying to find substitutes or, I guess, short-term therapy. Um, and for me, that was uh, food, especially junk food or that processed stuff we call food. Um, and I just, I would just eat and eat and eat my emotions like like uh friend Ashley Michaela, y'all saw me freshman year. You see me now. I'm a lot bigger, aren't I? You're more gorgeous <laughs> than you were five <laughs> if that's what you're asking. I gained like <laughs> fifty pounds in that span, like from then to now. I gained like fifty pounds of just eating, just unhealthy eating, trying to bury my emotions. Cinnabon. Yeah, I, I used to, <laughs> they know, like, I used to go to, uh, uh, not outtakes, what is it called? No, it's outtakes. Oh, it's outtakes, uh, I was in cat outtakes. track. Uh, I used to go to outtakes almost every you? night, get to, get to, uh, get to them cinnamon rolls. I remember, you'd be like, y'all going to get, um, the wings? Right. <laughs> yeah, and I would just eat that late at night, that's like, that, that just destroyed my body, um, and that just piled on with all the stress from school, mm -hmm. other relationships and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, just being aware of what you're trying to substitute actual therapy with yes. is key too, because that could that because I I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pre-diabetic. You know, my dad's diabetic, his mom is diabetic. They his he's losing his eyesight. She lost her eyesight. Mm -hmm. I don't want to run go down that same path. Because I've seen it firsthand, what it does, um, and so trying to correct that now is is probably one of the big like main priorities in my life right now. Good. So, read anything else? Yeah. I'm glad you're making it a priority. You gotta make that mental connection and then physically act it up, yeah. and keep that in mind mm -hmm. when times are hard. Because I have that too. Like my mom's side is diabetic from eating. And my dad's side was genetics. So I have to make sure. Yeah, I got to make sure I'm good because of both of those things. The same with you. And I really do believe, like, once when you change your health and you prioritize that, a lot of things do fall in line. Uh, like, it helps with your <coughs> mental stability. It helps with being happier. Because I know once when I'm bogged down with a lot of junk food, processed foods, and uh, I cut out meat. Uh, for the last year, and I can tell tremendously, like, I have more energy. I don't do anything because it's quarantine, but I'm, I'm saying, like, 
I guess I feel lighter. I feel like um, I have more control and um, I like to incorporate a lot of like my spirituality and like that mental fortitude with like health mm-hmm. as well. And like the more you know, you know, the better you can be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a journey. I am telling you that because I feel like as soon as I wanted to be vegetarian, my mom wanted to make chicken wings all the time. Lemon pepper. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I put some Tennessee booty rub on that. And I'm like, what is going on here? They're like, oh, you didn't know? We got an air fryer. We want to do some more chicken. I was like, wow, okay. I'm cool. I'm going to eat this rice, though. And, I'm right. <laughs> and some cucumbers. <laughs> Sounds good, though. <laughs> but also, Gerard, it might, like, I think you should tag team somebody in. Like, you have plenty of guy friends. Like, you were just saying you enjoyed those times where you guys stayed up at the quad until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning talking. Tag one of those boys in. Be like, look, this is what I'm doing. I want you to do it with me. And if they don't think move on to the next one. Buddy system. Yeah. Hold each other accountable. Yeah. Compete. They do those push-up challenges. You can make it like a challenge or something like that. Me and my family just doing plank push-up challenges for Thanksgiving. I'm pretty sure I twisted something wrong. Um, (laughs) Doing a (laughs) push-up. Because I had my sister on my back. Oh. Yeah. And um, all I heard was my brother go, get up. So I had to get up. And I, I did something to do it wrong. But anyway, uh, I think you know how white people stick together? Yeah, we got to stick together. Like, help your brothers out. You call yourself a friend, be that friend. So if you see he is crying out for help, he might not be crying like, oh, no, help me. Please, somebody go me. Something simple as, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I'm pre-diabetic. That might be... Alarm bells. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think somebody needs to step in and be like, yo, what we what we need to do? Because you know I want to get better too. So what we going to do? You know, it, it's just as simple as that. And that'll help your mental health, knowing that you're not alone going through something traumatic, which can be traumatic like this. So, think, and working out is a great stress reliever. It is. Ashley, I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk about your ass, but girl, <laughs> I'll be trying. Yes. <laughs> Look at Peter. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and then Ashley Kelly, she a scrapper. She fight. I don't know what, why everybody always says that. <laughs> she be fighting. She's <laughs> Giant, giant. I've never said I never told them you fought. Anything. Thank you. I don't know why people assume that. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. I don't know. I don't know where that feeling's coming from. Any uh, any last thoughts on how to heal? Oh, closing out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if anybody has any last thoughts about what we talked about today. Um, I really like having dialogues like this. Yeah. Um, like we repeated this over and over with every single topic, but a lot of things weren't spoken of in the black household. And I think the way we started talking about it more is amongst us and 
having these conversations amongst one another, we can talk about what we think and our ideas can bounce off one another. And that's how we continue to grow and learn. So I really appreciate the time that you guys do to have this kind of subject and have some women perspectives on it too, because, you know, guys handle things differently than how women do and we can learn and grow from one another. Mm-hmm. So I do appreciate you guys having this topic today. Appreciate being here today. All of you. I don't Very you guys well put. Guys, it's true. I do. I miss you guys. I don't talk as much as I should. You guys are doing an amazing job with your podcast. Uh, you guys yeah. celebrated one year. Congratulations. Like, when I heard that you guys were having a podcast, I was like the quietest guy that I've ever met in my life. Or having a podcast. Yes. Right. I was like, not Chris. Yeah. <laughs> right. And look at it. You guys have grown. Have you guys like listened to like the first couple of episodes to like the more recent ones? Oh, I was like, amazing job. Congratulations. And I can't say it enough. This black excellence is just mm-hmm. one of the highlights of quarantine. I like you got to look at the bright side of things, look at the silver lining of a lot of stuff. And we're going through quite a bit. But when I look at your accomplishments, and this is one of the biggest ones, in my opinion, I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Proud to say I know you guys. And make sure you guys celebrate yourselves. Like take the time to be like I did I did that. Yeah. And keep going. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll convey the message to Avery too. Yeah. Shout out to Avery too. Shout out to him. Absolutely. I really like how y'all stay close knit after y'all graduated too. Like I wanna applaud y'all for that. Real real. We want to adopt you, Ashley. <laughs> but no, for real. Because like, like y'all say Chris is quiet. Chris is pretty quiet, but I had never like really seen him interact with other people, how he interacts with y'all. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I never I never really felt the need to interact. I was just like, yeah, mm, that's them doing yeah. that thing. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Do Chris <laughs> has always been that kind of kid that he was cool with everybody. You know what I mean? But like, I appreciate how all y'all like include him and everything and stuff like that. So Chris and y'all are doing but he's a essential part of this group. Mm-hmm. We would not be without Chris Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are all, all good. Uh, Potter familiars. Dag on Gerard and Peter's laughs always have me cackling when I'm supposed to be studying and I'm listening to y'all's podcast. So keep up the good work. I try to broadcast and slippery rock telling them to listen. So I'm gonna ask y'all if y'all heard this last part, slippery rock. I hope y'all are listening up because I don't know if y'all listening or not. Our views in slippery rock have gone up recently a lot. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man. With the marketing, right? You know, us get out there. <laughs> but, I mean, any more remarks? So I could just go to the closing. So that's the show for today. Uh, we will be on YouTube at three fifteen p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, right, Chris. Yeah, Tom. Um, please like, subscribe, and comment. Engage. Uh, we need that right now. Uh, yes. if, if you don't want to see us on YouTube, you can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, except uh, SoundCloud and what? Endora? Endor. I'm working on SoundCloud, though. Not this week, but maybe next week for yeah. SoundCloud. We'll see. Yeah. Our social media page is Out of the Berg on IG. On Twitter, it's Out of the Berg Pod. 
Um, uh, I'm gonna say my plug first. Uh, at Kofi Peter on his Instagram and Twitter. And uh, Chris, you go next. Uh, you can find me at Chris Kelly five seven on ID and Big Chris five underscore five seven on uh Twitter. You can find me at Geronimo B twenty eight on Insta, and that's it. Yes, uh, <laughs> want to plug yourselves? Or y'all straight? We good. No. <laughs> you can find them at Out of the Berg. Hey, uh, that's the show for today. We had fun talking about mental health. Like I said, let us know what y'all think. It helps us. Stay black. Stay woke. Bye. Bye. Uh. <laughs>